Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. Suck, Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike, and we're welcoming back Sandy Kersiba, international trick shot artist and head professional at Lakeview Hecla Golf Course on beautiful Hecla Island, just a couple hours north of Winnipeg. You can also catch him on the very first episode of 18 Over Par, and he's back to share a few more stories. He's a former Aussie and Canadian Tour player, a former pro hockey player, current PGA of Canada pro, and you can find him all over social media. Well, we're pleased to welcome back Sandy Kersiba, the legend from our very first episode. So you can check out the regular questions that we did as well as some great stories with Sandy. Mm-hmm. And it was over two hours and Sandy still has some more stories. So we really wanted to bring him back on. And thanks to him, we got some nice sponsors now. So we want to say absolutely, <laughs> just because everyone everyone loves Sandy and everyone decided to listen. Sandy has made us famous. <laughs> yeah. So thanks to uh, the new Winnipeg Dodge. Uh, in the Point West Auto Park, you can check out Jamie Wilkie. He's a former Manitoba amateur champ. He won in 97, 
and now he's got his hands on the cars and he wants to give them to you. He's been making sales. And even if you're not in this province, you can actually buy from Jamie Wilkie. Is that right? Yeah. So just give Winnipeg Dodge a call or go to winnipegdodge.com, ask for Jamie Wilkie. And if there's a vehicle to your spec that you want and they have it on the lot, they can get that done for you. A national... Oh, yeah. National. He's a national icon. Yeah. Sandy's an international icon. Yes. And we'll, we'll touch on that uh, a little bit more. But if you want to get the full meal deal from Sandy, you can go back and check out uh, episode one. And now we've made it all the way to episode 10. And you were also the first recipient, Sandy, of a DQ custom 8-inch cake from the Nick and Nicky group of DQs. You can check them out at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. You can also find them DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the Food Court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Again, follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. So, Sandy, you were golfing today. How was it? It was terrific. It was uh, uh, and my partner in life. We went over to Kildonan Park to play. Uh, to see about ladies' leagues and stuff for her to play in, and I hadn't, I haven't played Kildonan since I was 16 years old, and I'm 102 at the moment. <laughs> Did you shoot 102 yeah, today? I saw my golf swing fell today. Uh, it was great going downwind, but going into the wind was uh, a struggle. <laughs> the, some just, uh, some open conditions, perhaps the the British Open. Oh man, it was hit it as low as you could possibly hit it against the breeze. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I did all those things of put the ball back in the stance, keep two feet on the ground and, and, uh, scunge it as best you could up the fairway. <laughs> uh, That's what I do on my then, normal swing. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your swing. That's not bad. That was, <laughs> that was after, uh, Colwyn fixed it at golf tech there. So thanks, thanks Colwyn. Before that, it, w- it would only get uh, six inches off the ground, but that's not bad. Well, just, just from the side view, I thought, okay, what would I do to fix that? And I went, oh, I'll put a bandaid here and that'd be all right. <laughs> Maybe a few band-aids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some Disney princess band-aids that I have. Ooh, yeah. That could be, that could yeah. be nice. Yeah. So KP though, yeah. did you did you uh, what did you do at the uh, the hole where you hit it over the bridge there? Because that's number ten, right? Well, that's that's what I said to Anne. I said we had to we had to play ten holes, and she said why? I said because you're going to play, you know, the famous over the railway track shot. And she didn't believe me because I was just kidding her. But then when we got to the tenth, and she says, "What?" I said, "Yeah, you have two choices: under or over." <laughs> so. So the first, uh, for her, she gets up and she says, what do you think? I said, well, hit a seven iron. So she hits it underneath the trestle. And then uh, I give her her five-wood hybrid, whatever, and, and she knocks it over the top to the fringe of the green. Oh, wow. And uh, I had the wind blowing behind me, so I hit a, hit a nice uh, nine iron in the back of the green and two-putted for a par. So it was probably the best part of the day and, and one that's notable. Yeah. I'd take that Sounds on a day like, like yeah. yeah. A little, little breezy yeah. now for whatever reason, it's become really, really breezy in Manitoba. Yeah. So some of those low well, stingers, I'm, I'm assuming right. you were hitting some stingers today. Oh yeah. If the Mr. on the tooth was on, uh, <laughs> you know, watching all the other guys that were playing, uh, out there, everybody's rugged up. Like they were going for a walk in the park with their parkas on. <laughs> You know, uh, and uh, the greens are hard as rock, you know, and they should be at this time. So, you know, the greens were fast I was, and bumpy. 
that's something that surprised me at, at KP, and I've I've played there three times this year, and uh, prior to this year, I'd never played there before. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, I guess their their uh, marketing plan worked for me. I'm not sure <laughs> how I'm playing there so uh, frequently, but the, the greens were crazy fast last time I was there. I just figured it'd be slow at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Well, there's nothing growing yet, and, and uh, you know it's matted and it's close to the the gumbo, so you get those, you know, runaway putts. You know, you, and you probably put a good stroke on it, but they're they're rolling probably two to three feet longer than normal. So once we get into May and the grow the grass is growing, uh, you know, then it'll be oh now they're slow, <laughs> <laughs> which which, the which might be nicer. You know, superintendent don't like to cut low in the first month they want to get the growth going and and that and then they then they finally come you know late june they'll they'll cut them down and get them ready for july august september and you're heading up to hecla right away here because that's uh, where you are the the head professional there so what all goes into opening up a golf course for the season well it's probably uh yeah, the biggest thing is to find out how much staff you got coming back from the year before, which I've got one. Oh, gee. <laughs> so I've had some sleepless nights lately of going, oh, man, I got no staff. Could be a long, long summer for Sandy. Jeez. Um, then, you know, you've got phone calls coming in for tea times. You got phone calls coming in for, uh, for tournament or, you know, group bookings. Uh, people are already thinking about, uh, July, August, September with uh, hotel bookings. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've got, you know, uh, open up. i got to get the computers going and uh, get the dust off the pro shop. <laughs> I've got uh, inventory of, you know, hats and shirts and gloves and balls coming in. So that's got to be put out and displayed and uh, inventoried. Um, yeah, I'm getting ready for... We're going to open up on May 15th, which is a Friday. And our tea times start at 9 in the morning because, again, that's cold mornings and and, uh, stuff like that we have to guard against. I have to get a fleet of 62 cars recharged and get them ready for the summer, too. Wow. (laughs) So you're individually going out there plugging them in? (laughs) Well, yeah, we we put them to bed, and now we've got to go into this... um, storage tank and bring out all the chargers and hook them up and plug them in and, and uh, give the carts a good two-day charge um, and then find out what ones they're giving us trouble and uh, and off to the graveyard they go to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say you don't light those ones on fire, do you? And do a nice promo for 18 over par? We could use one of those that doesn't work. We'd be happy to take one. <laughs> throw yeah, some, throw some decals on there. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a buddy of mine that he was, he ran Gallagher's Canyon in BC. And he's in first week on the job and as head pro. And he goes out to play 18 holes with the assistant and, um, the 17th hole is coming off a great big bluff of, you know, a uh, hundred feet. So you got this winding roadway of cart path down to the fairway. And, uh, he loses control of the cart 
and off they go across the fairway, hit the hit the grease of the springtime of the wet, and no matter what they did with the brakes or stop, the cart gets sliding and wound up in the water hazard right to the roof. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the, two, the two pros jump out as they see the cart flying into the water hazard. <laughs> now they've got to walk five, 600 yards back to the clubhouse to the owner and say, uh, we have a problem out on 17. He said, what's that? <laughs> we lost the cart in the hazard. <laughs> well, you know, hundred first things on the job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all pros could write lots of stories, and they could start with just the cart fleet and all the stories that happened. <laughs> well, that, that <laughs> that's why we wanted to get you back on because we knew you had a plethora of stories, uh, and and just some of those are are, are great. Uh, so, kind of getting back to uh, to Hecla and staff. So, have you been able to find more staff, or you're still looking for more staff? Well, I'm still looking. Uh, I've got a few, which has been nice. Uh, I've got to uh, make some phone calls tomorrow where I've got some retired guys that are up living there now in the summer and uh, like maybe can scoop them up for two or three days. I'm looking for staff to work in the pro shop or outside as marshals and cart duty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So any any anybody that's moving or breathing, I'll take. <laughs> <laughs> work work those old guys to the bone, Sandy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and they if don't they, need the money, I was going to yeah. say if they want to if they want to uh, apply, they can just fo- like follow you on social media because I know you're pretty active on social media. Just check you out uh, either on yeah. Instagram or Facebook. Is that, is that how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, well, my cell phone is uh, is open to the public anyway, so. Okay. 431-887-4406. <laughs> Give me a call if you don't like golf and if you want to work. <laughs> can yeah. they, Can we get you on a fax machine at all, Sandy? <laughs> yeah, that, that works, but I, that number I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll call you at, at midnight for a, for a card reading. <laughs> yeah. A tarot card reading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or to come pick yeah. us up from somewhere. Yeah. Come pick us up from yeah, Seagull's restaurant that, there. Yeah. 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 But I, knew, I knew I couldn't have sold my limousine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's another story. I bought the limousine five years ago. You oh. you bought or you parked one? Yeah, I did. I, I bought a limo out in Steinbach and... Uh, my idea then was to, uh, if you want to have a day with Sandy and play golf and golf lessons and, and uh, BS stories, I would <laughs> I would uh, pick up in the limo and we'd go play golf. Wow. What kind of limo was yeah. it? It was a stretch. stretch. I picked it up for like four grand. Nice. Yeah. Like, uh, a, like a Lincoln, like a, a town car? Yeah. Or, uh... Town car, Lincoln stretch. Yeah. Nice. It, it would hold uh, eight people. Oh. And did you did Eight you need a special people. license for that? Uh, not saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, but you had to go for your whatever it was, and um, as long as you weren't, it didn't become a taxi as long as you weren't selling it. Oh, okay. Right, like you were. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that was good. You could just, uh, but the, at the point in time, like I was in a cab. Uh, for my broken arm, and uh, I really couldn't go for a driving test at that point in time. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that, 
that little uh, episode of business kind of went wayside, but I did drive it around uh, Fantasy Lake a few times on the golf course. I can just see the wheels turning in Mike's head right now of, ooh, what if we got a limo? What if we had a limo? We could do this. We could do that. We- well, yeah. And then a friend of mine told me about, like, he, uh, he's he got the limo bus. Oh, LaGrace. You know, from Assiniboine? LaGrace? Larry LaGrace. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 He told me about his program. Oh. And, you know, again, that would be, that would be another great idea for getting now that golf is so wacky with wanting to go places it'd be mm-hmm. you know, good idea well actually uh, friends of ours yeah, used cool. to uh friends of ours sandy used to own a bus and we they would uh, chauffeur us around to all the the different nightclubs and uh I, i'm not sure of the legality of that <laughs> that school bus either but uh, it was certainly fun while it lasted and then uh, exactly. the guys the guy sold it or whatever but Tomorrow we're going to the golf course and we got a we got a bus. There's 30 of us for the the goats, uh, subarctic goats, wind up. So um, yeah, gonna go see Pete Moore and, and the folks at Kingswood. And did you have any run-ins? Because Pete, he was on episode six of our podcast, and uh, I think in one of the comments you mentioned uh, Pete's dad Terry. So did you bump into Terry a lot when you were growing up? Well, Terry, like I was the assistant pro at Southwood for two years and I, well, I knew Terry, you know, before that in junior golf and stuff, but, uh, for that two years, we had a lot of golf together. We had Davy Hill, like Davy Hill, Manitoba junior champ, uh, Wellington Cupper, uh, Monday night putter. He was going to school on a hockey and golf scholarship in the state, you know, from, cause we're the same age. So the one the, the story I love about Terry and Davey is, is uh, David comes home from school and the two of them go out to play golf like six days in a row they're playing. So Terry would come in after the round and he'd, he'd come storming into the pro shop and he said, Sandy, you got to fix my fiber. And I said, what's the matter with it? It's in two pieces. <laughs> okay, so, I just, so you got some duct tape. Was, yeah. You, I, got- you know, I, I, I'd go and see what I got and, and, uh, I'd reshaft the five iron overnight so it would glue and grip and stuff. You reshafted and it I with said, a pool noodle? <laughs> yeah, just crazy, right? And I said, what's the matter? He says, I shot 66. I said, why'd you get mad? He said, David shot 64. Ooh, wow. Right? <laughs> so that was the first round. The second day, he comes in and he, he says, uh, you want to put a new Jones bag, you know, the carry bag of the day, like the university kids have in the States. They have their carry bags without kickstands. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, so he's taken his wedge and beat the hell out of the bottom plastic. So he's got <laughs> the whole bottom of his bag gone. <laughs> so I, you know, charge a new bag to his dad's account, not to his account. <laughs> and I said, no, what happened today? He says, I shot 65. And I said, well, that's pretty good. That's, you know, 500 par, 65. And I said, what did David shoot? He said, 63. And then, you know, this went on for the whole week. Terry shooting 66, 65, 67. And Davey Hill is shooting 63, 64, 65 to beat him by one or two every day. Wow. At the end end of the week, I think I reshafted eight clubs out of his 14. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, and then another one was with Terry's dad. 
uh, had a hole in one one day. And for the rest of the summer, I bet him that he wouldn't make par, you know, on the next uh, four or five rounds. He made double, he made bogey, he made bogey, he made double, he made triple. Because, you know, if you have a hole in one on a hole, it's the hardest thing to do is make par the next time you play that hole. Oh, right. Yeah. Is is that what you you found with your hole in ones? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, you go, oh, man. The, the flashback and then you you yank it and you miss the green left or right or <laughs> long two so it's those little insights but Terry was a fierce competitor good competitor good amateur you know you can see where it came in his son um, and uh, and played uh, play, you know he knew how to play any golf course he could go and compete on any golf course, which is a great sign of a, of a good player. He just doesn't shoot good numbers on his home track. He can go to Rossmary, go to Pine Ridge, and go other places and play. And that's what you've been, you know, you interviewed guys that are capable of playing golf on different tracks, different conditions, and, and competing for great amateur uh, trophies. Yeah, and then what's, what was the difference then, did, did you see, of, of people who maybe made the, the jump from being an amateur to becoming uh, a professional or even a touring professional like yourself playing in Australia? Well, I, I, you know, if I had to teach somebody or, or I look back at my career of the, the dream, and you're right, that, that there's your first stage is, is this kid or girl dreaming about playing uh, professional competitive golf? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that long haul to that stage. Now, the, the backyard golf is, I'm pretty good. I'll play in some amateur events and and uh, compete. And then all of a sudden, up pops, you know, that one kid on your golf course that he wins the junior. He wins the match play. He wins, like, Billy Parker and Hashimoto and the kids that I taught years ago and and then next thing you know, they're 18 and they're going, hey, I'm going to Miami on a golf scholarship and I'm taking business or whatever. And then in those four years, they they grow in from an 18 to a 22-year-old and then and they got that fire in their belly to practice and play and score. And then one out of 10 might say, you know, I'm going to try my hand at playing the tour. And then it, then it becomes a different ball game because now you got to make money and uh, you also got to play every week, not just for the six, seven weeks of summer golf. Yeah. You decided to make a living at this and you got to play, you got to play every week. Like there's no taking time off for a rest because you're tired. It's like, geez, I got to climb this ladder and I've got to get up the ladder and I've got to, you know, go from Monday qualifying to 36 hole cuts to getting a decent paycheck and stay in the order of merit at the end of the season. And I've taught all those those stages to golf pros along the way that not only fix their golf swing in five minutes, but I had to fix their attitude and, and game plan and, and uh, desire to play this game. And some, some it, it, they just excel. It's like the, what we got for Canadians on the tour right now. All those boys are excelling through all the stages. You know, they went to school, they played the Canadian tour, they played the uh, Corn Ferry tour, and then, you know, all of a sudden they, they get their tour card, and now they got to climb the ladder to 
stay in the 125. Well, that's a that's a long haul since you're 12 years old to, to 30. <laughs> yeah, let that's alone 70. <laughs> yeah, or 70, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sandy, those yeah. guys are doing great and all, but, but we're here talking to you, and I want to hear more <laughs> about you. So, uh, <laughs> so was it in 19... 19- 80, 1981 that you you decided to uh, uproot and and go to Australia to see if you could make it on the uh, Australian tour is that correct yeah well that was that was uh, yeah thanks for doing your homework that was the second trip oh mm. um, but uh, and now that I gotta jog my memory but going back to 1972 when I went over I was just going for a couple of months to meet more of his family and hang out in Australia and play a little golf. And if I got into a golf tournament, that was great. And then I kind of loved it, but I had no talent. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so my 86s and 87s and 84s and 79s against Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and Gary Player and, and those guys shooting 64s, um, you know, 66s, you're 20 shots away from making a living. Right, and uh, so that's when I, I decided that, uh, you know, I, I had a, a great mentor, as I said, in Billy Dunk. Uh, I started to learn a lot of things, but I still couldn't. Uh, uh, how we put it was, even the guys on tour with me would go, "Geez, you swing it good. What? Why don't we see you on the leaderboard?" I said, "Because really, I don't know how to play this game yet." Hmm. I said, "I know how to swing a golf club and." look like I play golf, but I don't know how to play for four days and get a paycheck. And, you know, you watch that every week on TV. What were and you missing? So <laughs> I was missing a coach to teach me how to think and how to play and how to dissect the golf course and work at it every day of, of uh, shooting par better, right? Right. You're going to have 74s and 72s and 69s and 66s, but you've got to play every day like that. Yeah. So at my tuxedo days of 76 to 80, Danny Stack was my coach out of, out of uh, Glendale. He'd retired, started me as a 10 year old. He had played the American tour uh, in his younger days. And, and uh, I thought a lot about him today. I killed on him because, in his amateur career, he was one of the best uh, Manitoba Winnipeggers on that track at Kildonan and Tiny Trotsky and who's who and 2,000 to 4,000 people wandering the fairways to watch the Manitoba amateur at Kildonan Park. So anyway, I, I got myself from a 79-stroke average in 76 to... 1980, my stroke average was 69 per in tournament golf. Okay. In the back row. So that was playing Canadian PGA, Canadian, uh, never played the Canadian Open, uh, Manitoba Opens, uh, BC Opens, all that stuff of the Canadian Tour. And, uh, and winning around the backyard. Um, as I said to Dean North one day a few years back, I said, you know, 30 years ago I was you. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I was beating everybody in the backyard. <laughs> now you're, beating, now you're beating everybody in the backyard. <laughs> you know, everybody had to go out and, and beat, uh, Dean North. 
what so, were uh, uh, what were some of those paychecks back in the day on on tour? Oh, you know, huge fifteen hundred, nine hundred, <laughs> eight hundred, five hundred. <laughs> so so with, so, with, yeah, so so with inflation, that's about a million dollars today. Yeah, it's worth nine fifty today. Yeah, uh, I made a I made a big paycheck of twenty five bucks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, I I found a clipping where I won the, well, uh, Charles would open, or Charles would open, yeah. And uh, I shot 68 and collected 450 bucks. Hey, that's yeah. all right. That was all right, yeah, first place. And, and it, you know, it's not about the money, mm-hmm. it's about winning. And, and, and again, again, it's a great statement to playing this game. The moment you think about the money is the moment you lose. Hmm. Right? Well, yeah, so I, I never guy think guy. about money while playing golf, and <laughs> I still lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, you know, that $5 bet at Nassau, and you're going, geez, I only got $2 in my pocket. <laughs> uh, you know, the Trevino thing, like Trevino was always saying, it's the toughest game is when you got five in your pocket and the game is 20. Yeah, but did you ever play yeah, Trevino for that? Did you ever do a NASA with Trevino? Well, well my Trevino story. So, <laughs> I mean, I love the guy. He, he so he, you got to picture this. Um, this is well going back. Now I go back to play the Aussie Tour in '81, and I'm playing in the Vic Open, which is one of the biggest tournaments in Australia, the Victorian Open. And they always bring in one or two. Uh, you know, pay the, uh, the the fees and bring in somebody from the state. So they bring Trevino in. And Bobby Shaw, a, a buddy of mine, Australian, that uh, played the American Tour, he traveled with Trevino for five years. So this is Tuesday, practice round day, and I'm in the locker room and I bump into Bob and he said, Sandy, he said, uh, uh, come and play with Lee and I today. And I said, no, I've already got a game going, thanks. He says, no, 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 don't whoever, and you're coming to play with Lee and I. And I go, no, I've already made a game. I'm not, I'm not doing this. So off we go, and I'm playing with Billy Dunk, who's my mentor, and I'm playing with Bob Boschman from, from home, who is, becomes commissioner of the Canadian Tour. And off we go to play. Now, you got to picture this. We're, we're, we're uh, crossing paths out in the golf course. Lee and Bobby are coming down one fairway. We're going up another. Everybody's waving, so we all get together. And and uh, Billy and Lee know each other from from playing. And and Bob says to Lee, says, uh, this is Sandy Kersiba from Canada. And Trevino turns around and says, so you're the asshole that didn't want to play with me today. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I looked at Bobby and I said, are you kidding me? No, I told him. I told him that you didn't want to play with him. And, and uh, so we giggled and laughed and thanks very much. And and then we parted ways to go and play. And we're going up the fairway. And Dunkey says to me, he says, you turned down a game with Trevino? I said, yeah. I said, I didn't want to play the rest of the year Call and you call me an asshole for dumping you on a, on a practice day. <laughs> he said, you can play with me anytime. And Boschman said the same thing. He said, you can play with me anytime. 
So we go another few feet, another few yards, and, and uh, I stop, and Bobby looks at me, Boschman looks at me, he said, what's the matter? I said, you know what, I should have. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you remember in the Canadian PGA up in Edmonton, and we had planned to play, and I get it, you pick me up at the airport, and I get back to the golf course, and you say, sorry, Sand, I'm not playing with you today. And I said, well, whoever you're playing with better be better than me. He says, yeah, I got a game with Arnold Palmer. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I went, I, you know, I go, bullshit. And he says, no. He says, I got it. I said, how did you get Palmer? He says, well, I was down here. Like, I flew in late. So he says, I'm down here getting into a few putts and stuff. And Palmer's in the little locker room all by himself. And I shook hands with him and introduced myself. And, and I kind of said, you know, Arnie, have you got a, a, a full foursome today? And Arnie says, no, but he said, you and I can start it. And he says, so do you want to play, kid? And Bobby goes, sure. So wow. that's how he got to play with Palmer. That's amazing. So anyway, I, I, you know, the end of Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, the pro-am day. Now Trevino is walking past me in the, on the practice tee and he stops and gives me a bad time again about my <laughs> swing and didn't want to play with them. And, and then we're on the putting green, and, and he says, get over here, Canuck. And I said, what's the matter? He said, look at all these stupid assholes on the putting green. And I'm going, these are our fellow pros, right? <laughs> he says, did anybody ever tell them that it's a one-ball game? <laughs> and I spent some time going, okay, there's a message here. And he, he said, look at them. They all got three balls, five balls, seven balls. They're all putting with a dozen balls, you know? Like, it's a one ball game. Why don't they learn how to play with one ball instead of 10? <laughs> <laughs> so the message was, and then he holds me by the scruff of the neck. I'm not kidding. You. He grabs me by the collar. He walks me over to the closest hole in the putting green. And he said, here's a lesson, Sandy, that you'll never forget from Lee Trevino. And I said, what's that? He says, I'm going to teach you how to, how to putt. And I went, okay, that's great. Because you're the man that's one of majors. So he, he put the ball, one ball, down one foot from the hole. He settles in, sets his club, sets his grip, takes his stance, looks into the cup, down into the cup, and starts to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Look at the back of the ball, knocks it in the cup, and turns to me and says, repeat after me. I said, what? He said, I'm a good putter. <laughs> He said, if you only hit one putt before you go and play with a hangover, you're going to be a good putter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know that the ball went in the hole? Because you think about this, you two. When you go to a putting green, you drop down three golf balls. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you look for the nearest putt, and it's like 20 feet away, 10 feet away, and you roll it, and you miss it. So the next one gets closer, and the third one might even go in. Mm-hmm. And then you're ready to play. So you're like, fuck it, let's go. You're ready to yeah. Play. yeah. <laughs> so he says, no, no, one foot, you start with one foot. So a lesson learned, and, and it, this is now 1981. Here we are, you know, 40 years later. And it's one of my best putting tips to my, any of my students. There's one ball, one putt, repeat after me. I'm a good putter. And then go to three foot. And then when you go to 10 feet, lag it into one foot because everything outside of three foot is against you. So, you know, the philosophy that I got from saying no to a golf game, he gave me more time 
than I would have had for four hours on the golf course with them. Yeah. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and then to further the story, which was hilarious because this is Monday, Tuesday. So Wednesday night, uh, Billy and Lee have to go to one of the sponsored dinners at the, at the club and they're sitting having dinner and, so Bill gets home back to the hotel with me, and I said, so how was dinner with Trevino? And he says, oh, it was terrific. We, we're, we're paired together for the next two days, and we're going to have some fun. He said, we, but we, we, we shook hands and said that we would split any hole-in-one prizes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, that's good. I mean, we got boats for $40,000. We got hole-in-ones for condos for $200,000. Like, <laughs> I want to play in those tournaments. <laughs> Exactly, which was more, you know, worth more than first place. <laughs> yeah, <they're> so, <laughs> so they have a rookie golf player. The third, he, you know, this was his rookie season, and Mike Clayton, an Australian. So Mikey is the third one in the group, and they play three or four holes, and they get to the first part of three. It's got a hole in one for twenty thousand dollars cash. Ooh. So Torino gets up first on the hole and knocks it into um, into three feet. Billy gets up second, knocks it into four feet. Clayton gets up and knocks it in the hole for a hole in one. Whoa! Yeah, no kidding. Hmm. So Billy and and Lee don't even shake hands. No five high fives. No congratulations. <laughs> they just walk. <laughs> They walked right off the tee, and Mike thought, you SOBs, you know? So they walked 185 yards, and Mike pulls the ball out, and Billy makes two, and Lee makes two. So a total of five on the, on the hole for three players. Oh, wow. That's, that's not like the groups that I play with, that's for sure. (laughs) Again, you're looking at me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then they get over to the tee box for the next hole. And Billy and Lee start to laugh and Clayton doesn't know how to handle these two superstars. And and Lee says, uh, Mike, he said, it's Billy and I are pissed off. And he said, why is that? He says, well, we had dinner last night and we shook hands on, on uh, hole-in-ones and splits and all this stuff. And then we never even thought about you in the first tee to say, listen, kid, you know, you want to split a hole-in-one with us? <laughs> and Clayton comes back with a classic. He says, the 20000 is mine. <laughs> and, and, and Billy and Lee said, it's all yours, kid. You know? Wow. And, and then Clayton turns around and wins the tournament. He beats them. Wow. He beats them on Sunday night. He wins the tournament. So he wins 20,000 hole in one. He picks up 30,000 for first place in the tournament. So it's a $50,000 week. <laughs> Not and then shabby. when we look back at Tasmania the week before, he had a hole in one for 5,000. And he won the Tassie Open for, for uh, 20. So he's made like $80,000 in two weeks. Holy smokes. Yeah. And, uh, and then he bought a limo. (laughs) He bought a limo. Yeah. (laughs) Mike Clayton is, uh, uh, today he, he's still, I still in touch with him and he's, uh, designing golf courses in Australia. Wow. That's great. Yeah. 
We'll have to get him Joe on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We could, uh, well, he's the type of guy that I could probably give you a couple of names over there. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. since you bring it up, uh, one of the guys I wanted to ask about was uh, the all-time best Australian player from that time, uh, Mr. Greg Norman. Um, right. So you must—he must have been playing in that Australian tour around the the same time as you. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seventy. He turned up in seventy-six just when I came home and then I went back in 77, the winter of 77 and, and, uh, to play down under for three or four months. And, uh, when I got back, the boys are, you know, chirping on the driving range going, wait till you see the blonde bomber. <laughs> that was, was that his nickname? <laughs> he had a, some <laughs> great lettuce. Yeah. yeah. Free, free shark days. He was known as, cause he had a mullet like, uh, like Smithy, right? Oh, like right. Cameron yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah. He had the yellow mullet, surfy, <laughs> you know, the Queenslander. No two pays there. Uh, <laughs> no two pays there. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'll talk to Bobby Hall and see if I can get a couple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so my first sighting of Greg was uh, well, we played the Sydney Open. I didn't see it. I didn't really get close enough to see him swing it or do anything. And then the next week we're in Terrellgan, which is, you know, like going from, uh, going to Brandon and you're playing in a farm town for the tournament. And it turns out that Greg is in the next uh, motel room for me for the week. So we chit chatted and, and stuff like that, uh, every morning. And then we're playing the pro-am and, and, uh, He's on one tee box and we're on the green. So it's like, okay, you guys putt first, then we'll hit, or we'll hit and you, you putt so there's no commotion, right? And uh, they go first. And the hole that he's playing is 330 yards. doesn't seem long, but it's out of bounds right. And a great big 70-foot uh, ravine on the left. So you got to knife it up there with a one iron in those days, right? You guys don't even know what a one iron is. And uh, he pulls out driver. Wow. And uh, he pulls out driver and, and uh, just whacked it. And I turned to Margaret, my wife, and I said, there's your next Australian superstar, right? <laughs> sure enough. Being yeah. And he's driven at 330 on the green without a bounds right. And we're being left. So Jeez. that was my first. And he won the tournament. He won Trelgan. So he won the Sydney Open, Trelgan back to back. And then I don't see him again until, because I come home to Winnipeg, I don't see him again until 81 when I go back. And uh, we're playing in the Vic Open again in Melbourne. And uh, Billy and I are, this, I'm just back. So Billy and I are having the practice round together. And and we're on 16, a par four, four, I'll never forget this, par four, 445 yards. And we turn around, like we're marching, doing our notes and doing our own yardage books. And Billy yells, he says, oh, the blonde bomber's behind us. And we look back and he's all by himself on the tee box and we give him a wave. And, and I'm standing 265 yards out on the fairway and we wave and and uh, Greg gets up and whacks the ball. Most woodhead days. Yep. And 
like I'm standing watching the ball come. It goes over the top of my head, and I watch it go down the fairway. And he has a sandwich in at 445. Gosh. Right? I'm still going to flush maybe a four-iron home. <laughs> and, and he's got a sandwich in the green. And Billy looks at me and he says, I'm not playing with that gorilla. Come on, let's go. I don't want to go. I said, okay, fine. I don't care. So now 17 is a, is, is a dog leg around the gum trees. And, and it's laid up with a three wood into the zone and then come in with a nine or a wedge, depending how good you are. And then, uh, so we're putting. And all of a sudden, this ball lands on the green while we're putting and uh, rolls, you know, just past us. So Billy and I look up at the corner and there's, there's no Greg. And then we look back through the gum trees, 300 and something yards back on the corner. And he's putting the driver away in his bag. He's driven at 300 over top of the gum tree Jeez. onto the green. At us. Wow. So we how, get in how, the tall is, how tall is Greg Norman? How big is he? He's 6'2". He's oh, yeah. Okay. He's six taller two, than me. By an inch. And good, yeah. Yeah. Um, and square-shouldered. And, I mean, he could. He, he's got yeah, a great jawline, yeah. too. Great jawline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Abs- absolute yeah. man rocket. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I was, he, he, he needs to go find him nude in some pictures. Um, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll have the fact checkers look into that. Yeah, whatever, whatever it takes to sell golf, right? He's, he's like the John Stevenson of the male. Right, right. Yeah. Wonder we didn't put him in a tub of uh, golf balls or something with a shark coming around him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's he was a treat, and then uh, so to finish that one is he's in the dressing, he's in the locker room, and and Billy Dunkey's got a, a a normal Aussie whip. He says, "Hey, gorilla, <laughs> if we play together, I'm bringing a." stack of bananas for you, right? <laughs> and uh, we laugh and laugh and giggle. So come Sunday, uh, Norman's leading the tournament. Um, and he's got a four-shot lead on Billy. Uh, I missed the cut. Uh, and so I'm going to fly off to Adelaide and put my feet up on on uh, Sunday and, and uh, watch the golf on TV. And then so I said to Billy, I said, okay, coach, uh, going into today's round, four shots behind, what are you thinking? He said, well, I'm just going to hit the ball and find out. I said, well, that's not really giving me a golf lesson. Like, <laughs> like what, what should I be concentrating on when four shots behind and, you know, the same famous one shot at a time? So anyway, I, I find Adelaide, I get bunked into the hotel, I put my feet up at one o'clock and turn the TV on and then Dunkey is gone. Birdie, 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 first four holes. Norman hasn't even teed it up. Billy shoots 65, Norman shoots 74. Billy wins the Vic Open for the third time. Mm. And everybody's calling Norman a choker. <laughs> you know, 74 on the, on the final day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so the next morning, I'm sound asleep, and Billy comes in, and you know the, the old jump on the bed trick and chin the chin the shoulders, and he's hammering me in the head. He says, "I told you, this is a lesson." 
let's go out and hit the ball and find out. Hmm. Now let's go for breakfast. <laughs> so, and I got one more Norman and Seve. Oh, nice. I'm playing in the Australian. Uh, Seve, Australian uh, Ballesteros? Ballesteros. That's Seve, right. Seve, who doesn't speak much English, he's, you know, I, I, he's like Hidaki, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's the Spaniard. Yeah, yeah we, we, we don't speak no English. Yeah. So, uh, it's practice night and uh, Tuesday, and I go down the range late. I mean, I'm talking 7.30 at night, and, uh, there's just me and my caddy. That's it. It's like so weird that there's not other guys hitting balls, right? So my caddy's out there about a five iron, and I'm hitting balls, and and uh, down comes Sevy and his caddy, and we he nods and we you know hi, how are you? That's about it. So he's behind me. Then about twenty minutes later, Norman turns up. Now Greg and Sevy don't like each other because they're vying for number one in Europe. And, mm-hmm. you know, Seve's one ahead of him in the British Open at 19 years old or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But Greg, Greg had that aloofness that he didn't like anybody, just like Tiger Woods. You know, I'm out to beach. I don't want to be friends. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Seve, he wants to be friends, but he can't talk English. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I can't, I can't talk Mexican. So, uh, all of a sudden, we're all all three caddies are in, a, in about the same area, right? Six irons and five irons, and then Sevy behind us tees one up and hits this driver three hundred yards. Greg grabs his driver, tees it up, and hits it three hundred yards into the back fence. And the caddy, my caddy, and the other two are just standing there, see the ball go over top of their heads and fly back and. There's no way to send them back there, right? Seve hits another one. Greg hits another one. Seve hits another one. Greg hits another one. Seve hits another one. And it's like the shootout at the OK Corral. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Seve hits one, and it nosedives just over top of the kids at, you know, 180 yards. And both Greg and I swivel around to look and say, what the hell happened there? He's hit it at one leg at he lifted his left leg and hit it one leg and underneath his left leg, like a like a croquet shot, right? Wow, wow! <laughs> and and we look at each other like I'm just piggy in the middle. I'm going, don't even think about it. Like, don't even think about getting your pea shooter out. Like, <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere with these two because <laughs> they were the two, you know, two of the ten longest guys on tour around the world. So. uh Greg puts his driver away. Seve puts his driver away. Um, those golf balls at the back of the range were never picked up. <laughs> and not a word was spoken. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then Seve went on to win the, the Australian PGA that week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, well, I think you got you got to get an idea then of just how competitive those guys uh, and, and gals, anyone who really plays the game at the top of the game, mm-hmm. really are. Is they're, They are out there to win, like you said, and they're not really in it for the money. They just want to win. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they've got the trophy in their sights, and um, they've got a power that, you know, basically four shots better than the field, every, you know, through the week. 
uh, and that's what you that's what you learn. I mean, that's what you aspire for of getting those practice balls and you know going to. And we didn't have a lot of uh, uh, gurus of of psych guys that were hanging around. You know, it was like you had to learn this yourself or. You know, go go find yourself help books and start reading. Uh, <laughs> Tony Robbins yeah. wasn't around back then, I don't think. <laughs> no, exactly. There's no YouTube help videos. <laughs> yeah, I was going. I was going to the guys that were coaching football players, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, and especially coming out of as being a hockey puck, where you, you learned the you learned how to fight, you learned how to you know shift for 30 seconds and and get a mindset going with 18 other guys mm-hmm. but golf is boy you gotta sit in your own chair and talk to yourself mm. and uh, set your goals and and uh, you know be a self motivator to to get up every week and win and lose and 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 play it. I mean, look at the Jets right now. They're in the six game slump and everybody's crying. Yeah. Well, no, that's part of the, that's part of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got them right where we want them. Yeah. <laughs> They're playing yeah. possum. Yeah. <laughs> the peak in the first yeah. round. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Toronto. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, now, now that you mentioned, you know, kind of how there, there weren't any gurus nowadays, it, it seems like there, there are quite a few. And we actually had a chance to speak to a few of them on on this show, including yourself. And on the first episode, uh, we didn't get get to it because, uh, again, your fantastic stories. We learned about your trick shots. We learned about uh, your days playing hockey growing up. And if if you want to listen to that, you can check out again the, the first episode. And so now, I really wanted to touch on. Uh, some of the the lessons or the encouragement, the wisdom that you can pass down to say some mid handicappers like myself or the folks that do listen. Uh, I think I saw it. It was either on Facebook or something where you mentioned it was either you can fix someone's swing in thirty is thirty minutes, an hour, or a day, something like that. Short game a week is is that true? Yeah, yeah. I can I can fix your your golf swing in an hour. You know, wow. like a one hour lesson. Holy smokes! I can fix your I can fix your short game in one week, and I can fix your game in one year, or even one month. Wow! Right. So again, going into having the tools to say that and back myself up per se that uh, yeah, I'll give you the fundamentals of the golf swing. The same as looking at yours on on uh, video the other right, day, yeah. which is the front side of how your hands and arms work. But mm-hmm. I like to. The body rotation and motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if I had a, you know, being standing in front of you, you see your hands and arms. So, once I put the pieces so that you have law and order to how the circle of the golf swing works from from your wedge to your driver, and the fact that you're going to pay attention to your hands and arms and not your toes and ankles, mm-hmm. uh, and then the short game is going to be a series of uh, decisions that say, okay, here's where you're going to be chipping and running the ball. Here's where you're going to be pitching the ball. Here's how you're going to play your bunker shot. So all of a sudden, in one week, I'm going to teach you all that. And I, and I say that I can because I took Bill Graham, one of our Canadian superstars in mm-hmm. women's golf. And Gail phoned me. She was playing really good that summer because we, we did an exhibition together at Predator Ridge. And she phones me in July and, and says, I'm home. And I said, great, do you want to play? And she said, no, I've come for lessons. And I'm going, with who? Who are you going to? <laughs> she said, 
I'm coming to you. And I'm going, why? Why me? Why are you picking on me? <laughs> and she says, I'll never forget what you did to me. And I went, okay, okay, I, I understand. So back when she was an amateur in Vancouver, uh, her and Jennifer Wyatt, who won on the LPGA, I was teaching Jennifer Wyatt in Vancouver. And Jennifer was defending her BC amateur, and she beat Gail in the amateur for the second year. And she said, where did you learn those shots? She said, oh, I got a new teacher at, at, uh, at the golf course. So never mentioned my name, never said anything. So Gail turns up at Colchina to uh, qualify for the ladies' uh, BC amateur team because you're not on it necessarily until you qualify. She walks into the pro shop and sees my face and goes, you? I said, yes, me. Because <laughs> I taught Jennifer all these little short pitch shots and and uh, how to play better downhill runs and all this stuff. So Gail never forgot that. So now this was her second year, third year on tour, I think. And she was struggling. She hadn't won enough money. She's only won about 20 grand. And uh, so she came home for a week and we went and I put her through my short game in the week. And uh, she was heading back to Florida. And, and on Sunday, Jennifer Wyatt wins on the tour <laughs> and beats her to win on the PGA tour. Right. So I gave Gail a hug and I said, don't worry, your turn will come. And off she went. And, and, uh, and this is 1993. So we don't have, cell phones and we can, you know, it's like, it's either got to be a phone call to tell you something mm -hmm. or get that fax. Jennifer, <laughs> yeah. Where's that fax machine? <laughs> and, and, uh, Graham goes out and wins $80,000 and then it's the rest of the season. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> and never, you know, never bought me dinner, never sent me a drink, nothing. And, oh. uh, he probably bought a limo. I hope she's listening. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, she did. She did buy me dinner. But then, uh, of all things, her first win was down under. Of course. She beat, she beat Kari Webb um, in the uh, Ladies' Masters, Australian Ladies' Masters. But, uh, yeah, that's, and that's where, you know, one of those episodes, uh, Baker Finch was another one where he spent uh, a couple of weeks with me and we talked about the golf swing and short games. And, like, he, he didn't need any short game lessons. He, <laughs> he just needed a driver. Ian Baker um, Finch, he won the Open in uh, 1991. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, did he buy you a drink? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I slept on his couch. <laughs> it's only five million dollar mansion in in North Palm Beach. Wow! Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if I told you that story last time, but Finchy Finchy was twenty, and uh, he came and stayed with me for a couple of weeks when I first got there in eighty one. So that's how we became fast friends. Played a lot of golf and. The first night on the Sunday night when he came to stay with me, we uh, we found everything in the cupboards to drink. <laughs> uh, sounds found, sounds like, like a great golf trip. Oh, yeah, this is this is this is. Uh, I hate this game, right? I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna die. 
<laughs> so we, we drank all of that, all the white, uh, all the beer. And then I finished off a bottle of Grand Marnier. And now it's like five in the morning. And uh, we're going to play at noon. <laughs> Whoa. We're, we're going to play at noon. And then, so anyway, that was a, a great story. And then, and in that story, I told him, I said, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to uh, focus on this. You got to learn this. And, you know, I, I'll be a piece of the puzzle and you're going to have to find other guys and that'll give you more pieces to, to grow with. I said, I'm, I'm 30 coming back to play. You're only 20. So you can't give up for 10 years, right? You become a pig farmer. You can go drive taxi, do whatever, but since you can't quit for 10 years. So, um, at the end of the year, he turns 21 and we have a birthday party in his backyard. And there's, I mean, there's, well, just guys that you would know from TV, Frank Nobolo's there, uh, Frank's good player, uh, Wayne Grady wins the PGA later in life. Uh, Payne Stewart's there. Mm. Um, Leonard Longer's there. You know, we got Japan. We got it all covered. There's, there's 50 to 100 people in the backyard for the party. Wives, girlfriends, caddies. So and that's why I I found out from his mom was that his his nickname was Sparrow, not Finchy. Oh. And uh, his mother called him Spar- Little Sparrow. Right? <laughs> well, Little Sparrow goes up to be six foot five. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, Finchy comes out of the house through the party and he says, "Sam," I said, "What?" He says, "I just got a phone call." I said, "Oh, great." Who from? He said, Peter Thompson, five-time British Open champ. And I said, yeah. He said, he's going to give me golf lessons. He's going to give me lessons. And I said, perfect. I said, you can't go any higher than that. I said, I'll make you a bet. And he said, what's that? I said, I'll bet you I know what he says about your golf swing, Hmm. but I don't know what he's going to say about the golf game. So, okay. What? I said, dinner in Tasmania when we start. He said, okay, done. <laughs> so he goes to Peter. Peter, being that big uh, connection to the world, gets Dunlop International to sign uh, into a $80,000 contract worldwide. Ooh, that's all right. To keep playing. Eight, 21 years old. He's yeah. gone from 20 bucks in his pocket on my, on my sofa <laughs> to $80,000 10 months later. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, uh, so get your lesson with Sandy now. Yeah. <laughs> a year from yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep on his part. couch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Finchy, uh, he gets signed. And you guys, if you remember the DDH Dunlop golf equipment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we used to have those. I think in, in the shop, Dale Esopenko probably had those as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So DDH. So I'm coming in in a courtesy car into into the Tazzy Open, and and uh, he's standing out front. He's six foot five. He's got this beautiful blue and white bag. And DDH, you know, Ian Baker Finch. So I said to my driver, I said, "Stop in front of this guy." Roll down the window. I said, "DDH, double dickhead." <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. 
And so from that point on, PDA was double dickhead. There was no such thing as Dunlop, the Acheron or whatever it was. And then I said, are we going for dinner? He said, yeah, tomorrow night. I said, who's buying? He said, me. I said, okay. I said, what was the secret on the game? He said, it's a secret. I can't tell you. <laughs> right. So, uh, and then from that moment on of time, Finchie just grew and grew and grew. And uh, he lost the Australian Open, won the New Zealand Open, goes to the British Open. And Peter Thompson and Kel Nega, who have won a total of six British Opens and on St. Andrews, take him around. And Finchie shoots. 66-66 in the opening two days of the tournament to be leading. And then was leading on Sunday when played with Watson. And Finchie shot 78 on Sunday. Ooh. And Seve came over their shoulders and beat the both of them when Seve wins his second British Open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And Ian cried for months and months and <laughs> in the nightmares because he saw his golf ball stuck back into the burn on the first hole. Mm. And then, uh, mm-hmm. as you say, 1991, he wins it. Yep. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's and, all about um, adversity. You got to fight through that adversity. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's where you find a coach, like for me, that can tell you stories about what's going to happen or, you know, the guys in the NHL can tell you about how to handle something and um, you know, that's what a coaching uh, teacher does. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so those are the things that, you know, if I had had to pass it on, or I, do, I did pass it on to a lot of people that, that wanted to play competitive tournament golf, whether it's just stay in your backyard amateur-wise or, uh, you know, venture off across the Canadian Tour, where, where I had my days at BC, I had seven guys I was coaching that played the Canadian Tour and, and uh, and had good careers for four or five years before they decided they wanted to go another life. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so you said you could uh, you've fixed my whole game in a week. So does that mean short I, game? Said short, oh, short game. Short game. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna book a whole week out at Hecla, and then I'll just spend every day with you, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll come back and I'll be uh, better at golf. <laughs> you'll be pumped. Yeah, you'll you'll be a different cat. I mean, uh, you'll be more. Well, you'd be more focused. I think, uh, I think that's what Mike needs. That's true, I think that's yeah. what I need too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were you were saying, uh, you know, you sit down, you talk to yourself, and you really think it out. Where I try and do that too, but there's so many other people in my head that I'm talking to at that time. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a it's a very uh, there's lots of different people that I'm talking to, so it, it gets it overloads me. But, yeah. It's well, all you, Mister Personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got multiple personalities. That's, right. that's for sure, especially on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> but but my nickname is Mo. <laughs> <laughs> there, there. Now you go. You got a yeah. new nickname now. Perfect. Mike Multi. There we yeah, go. Multi. Yeah. Well. <laughs> or or DDH. Yeah. DDH. <laughs> double yeah, dickhead. Double I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to get a Dunlop yeah. sponsorship. Yeah. And then, we'll get them then you can call me whatever the hell you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, like on that. So Mike and I both being mid mid handicappers. Is there something that you see come up in you know mid handicappers games? That is a consistent thing. Was like, oh, if they could just fix this one thing, that's that would help them go a long way. Yeah. Um, so, if from my my starting of teaching and, and doing a quick, I can analyze your swing in in 
you know, within one, two swings and hits. Because, mm-hmm. uh, and then let's pinpoint that. So you, you start to focus on, because once I get you hitting the golf ball and seeing four or five shots come out of that, that were way better than what you've ever hit, you know, which was all of a sudden you go, okay, you'll believe what Sandy says. Right. Because I, I'm making it hit the golf ball better than you ever have. So that's the full swing. And then, okay, then a lot of people don't have a um, uh, a game plan to their short shots, right? You know, well, oh, tell me about it. I have no idea what I'm doing from 100 yards in. <laughs> right. So that's, you know, exactly, because you're, you're in the crossroads at 100. Is it is it just about my arms, and is it a pitch shot, or is it a full swing? Yep, and exactly. where do I where do I know my bread and butter shot is, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the things in the short game. It's like you've got to have a game plan for your putting, your pitching, your chipping, and your sand. So it's all got a, a game plan in it. And then, you know, dissecting your golf course and uh, going to work at it. So now I changed your, your viewpoint of, of uh, attacking the golf course. Because uh, we, you know, if we don't hit enough balls, we'll get tired by the 14th hole. Um, it's 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 a lot of work. And that's why you see on TV when the guys are going up, man. I you know I really struggled out there, and I had to really grind it, and I'm tired because mentally he's trying to keep himself together. You know, just just look at the Masters with uh, the last three holes, and Chef not Sheffley, Sheffley. You know, he's got him by the balls, and then he. Then he knocks it in the water. Mm-hmm. That that actually lost uh, one of the guys who were playing with uh, in the match two, Matt Levins, who was on episode three. That lost him some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that one shot lost him some money. Also and, lost and Xander we, some money as well. No kidding. <laughs> in a green jacket. Yes, the money yeah. wasn't the thing. Yeah, <laughs> a piece of a piece of clothing that's more important than two million dollars. Oh, absolutely, I would agree. It's priceless, yeah. right? It yeah. really is. And and Hideki's leaving town, and he's got it slung on his shoulder, and it's getting fluffed up with mustard. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. You know, and the only kid that ever went into hiding after he won a major in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> well, they thought he went into hiding, yes. but he didn't. He, he just went into COVID. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. Uh, uh, those are the things that, you know, uh, the excitement that I have of, of passing uh, the game on to anybody that will listen. Um, and, and just all of a sudden say, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How come? Um, you know, on the Australian side, because being 30, I, I got tagged for whatever reason, even though I was shooting my 87s. Um, guys would come down and say, have a look at me, Sandy. I'm going, shit, you shot 66. I shot 87 <laughs> and I'm giving you a lesson. <laughs> you know, um, something wrong with this game plan. But they, they trusted me over all my life down under that I had, uh, I had some magic in, in what I said and, and what I did and what I stole from other players. <laughs> uh, borrowed. You borrowed from uh, other players. Oh, I borrowed. Like, yeah. I read all the same books. <laughs> Jack Nicholas, my way. Lee Torino, your way. Uh, Arnold Palmer, <laughs> Gopher Brooks. Um, hey, you seem to you work know, for them, right? Yeah, Gary Player. Um, 
Gary Player. Uh, I met him in, in the 70s, and then uh, I traveled with with uh, Bob Charles on New Zealand, who won the British Open. Cal Nagel, who won the British Open, Canadian Open. These are like, these are gods to me because I was 12. They're, they're the 25-year-old, 30-year-old winning the world at all. Well, now you know how we look at you, Sandy. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I got two disciples. Thanks very much. <laughs> well, we, we're we're coming up to Hecla at the end of the end of the month, so uh, we're we're trying to get yeah, all that good juju that we can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got a spare bedroom, uh, couch. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was gonna. One of my questions was, where do you where do you stay when you're up there at Hecla? Are they do they got uh, you up in the uh, presidential suite? <laughs> well, I yeah, maybe next year. This year they they got me still stuck in a in a two two-bedroom uh, house trailer. Oh, that's all right. In, uh, yeah. About you're, one minute from the post office. Yeah. You're oh, in paradise. Good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's beautiful yeah. up there. Do you do, yeah, any, uh, do you do any fishing when you're up there? No, I spearfish. Um, spearfish? No, everybody takes, yeah, everybody takes me along for fishing. <laughs> well, I can tell them stories in the boat while they fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Have a few pops. Yeah. But oh, speaking of fishing, you would love this because you're an SO kid. Yep. <laughs> so I come home from Australia in uh, 2004, and I'm you might have been around then. I was working down in the basement for SO for the summer. Yeah, I was there. Right, and yep. and uh, so uh, what's his name? Castle in the Red with Stewie. Mm-hmm. So SO being SO, he says, "I'm going to get you on fins and skins, Sandy." And I said, how are you going to do that? He says, well, you know, we got, you got your stories and you're a trick shot artist and Aussie tour and it'll be a good sell. And we'll, uh, we'll get a couple of sponsors and we'll get Stewie to do it at Cast of the Reds with, uh, you know, the old football player, right? Uh, Wanchuk. So Esso lines this up and I, you know, I've gone fishing, but I'm not going to run down to the water that quick. Um, so we go cats on the red. We go fishing and and uh, and we're we're catfishing. And we caught eight cats, and I caught five out of the eight. I mean, beginner's I have luck. never had <laughs> beginner's luck with I, your my spear. Arms, oh God, my arms are killing me. <laughs> and and then we go and play Elmhurst. We go play the golf side of it, right? Because he likes to go fish, go play golf. Yep. And uh, we go play Elmhurst and we play, I don't know, six or seven holes. And I did some trick shots and bullshit. <laughs> and then uh, and then when it came out on, on TV, it was like, he wins the fishing derby. Oh, really? and, and then I win, I win the golf, right? I caught five out of the eight fish, but I, he, he wins the derby by, you know, 14 pounds. <laughs> and, and I win, I win the golf by buy two birdies or something and mm-hmm. and laugh until he says see it's nice to have the power on the on the cutting floor of, of the right. film <laughs> the, the magic of tv <laughs> the magic of tv <laughs> but that magic i mean that that thing ran for like five years Mm-hmm. I remember that was, that was always huge. That was always like, it was a, a week to get prepared for that. And then yeah. just, just Dale and, and company would disappear. Hmm. 
Yeah. Let's go play golf yeah. and fish. That's all that it was. Sorry, it was filmed? Or like, was it always yeah. on TV? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was live and then it was, you know, repeat at two in the morning or four in the morning and 10 in the morning and we'll 11 have, o'clock on Fins and Skin. We'll have to find that yeah. footage. Yeah. We'll see if we can oh, dig yeah. it up. There's always stuff on YouTube that we can dig you up. Want, you want an autograph copy? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come pick it up in uh, three weeks. Yeah. And we come out to Hecla. <laughs> And that's how that's how Esso got to go to the Masters. How he got to go to Augusta. Right. Oh, so that's how it all came together. Mm-hmm. Stu, yeah. Stewie was guiding a guy, a Yank, right? And he said, "Where are you from?" And the guy says, well, "I'm from Georgia." Right? Doesn't say where. Just I'm um, from Georgia. And then Stu, he says, "You know, you know anything about uh, Augusta, like the Masters and the tournament and stuff?" And the guy says, "Oh yeah. I mean, you live in Georgia. You got to know about that." Mm-hmm. He said, "Why?" He says, "Well." He said, my, my pro, my, my best buddy, my pro, he's uh, not well, and we don't know what the hell's going on with him. And, but, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, if he, we think he's got cancer, blah, 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 at the time. And because Dale is doing multi-things, right? He's drinking and taking the pills and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and and don't get me wrong, I love the pro Um <laughs> And then the guy says to him, well, what's wrong? He says, well, you know, we, he's having all these problems and we don't, he's, we don't know what's going to happen. But wouldn't it be nice if he could go and play Augusta as one of his last games of golf on this earth? Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to cry. Anyway, um, one hour goes by and the guide and the guy turns to Stewie and he says, well, he says, this is your lucky day. And still, he said, why is that? He says, I'm a member at Augusta. Wow. Yeah. wow. And he said, I'll tell you what, this is not a promise. It's only, it's only a stage one. He said, but you stay in touch with me and we'll see what October, November brings. And if it works out in my schedule and I can do it, then I will let you know that you and your buddy pro can meet me and we'll have a game at Augusta. Yeah. That was phenomenal. Yeah. And then, and Stewie comes to play with me at men's night, right? Yep. Sandy, well, I got, I, I got a secret. I got to tell you. I'm going, oh, Jesus. No, I can't tell you. <laughs> Another couple holds me by. I got to tell you. I said, don't tell me now. I don't want to know, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally, Stewie tells me the whole story while we're playing. I'm going, are you kidding? This is July, right? Mm-hmm. This is July. And, uh, so when Esso phoned me in October, he says, you'll never guess where I'm going. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Augusta. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And did you and, just have a know, big grin on your face? Oh, I laughed. <laughs> like I, after I hung up on him, I laughed and went, this is perfect. It's on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he took uh, Roscoe with him. Yep. Yeah, Ross Lemon. Ross, he's still down there. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and Dale at the time was only hitting the ball 50 yards. Yeah. You know, so he wasn't, he wasn't a big gun. But that was, that was one of the best stories ever. And I mean, for Rossi too, he meets the love of his life and he's been down there ever since, since ever since 204. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. That, that was phenomenal. Just how it all came together. I was just a small world, yeah. right? You know, miracles yeah. can happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gives, oh, yeah. gives us hope. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. after we, we see you in, in a few weeks, we'll get some of that golf magic. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I said that's fine. I mean, uh, let's, Let's make it happen so that, you know, uh, planet where, you know, you, 
you have uh, you have me on the driving range or and hit some balls and do some things and then mm-hmm. and then uh, we go and uh, we go and play you know like uh, go play in mid afternoon or something like that. Well, you you got to hit a ball out of one of our or maybe both of our mouths. I don't know if it's going to happen at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't taken a divot yet over the twenty years. Um, <laughs> Let's not make this the first. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if somebody in your family phones me and says, "Hey, I'll pay you twenty. <laughs> just that easy. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to edit that part out because I I know too many people in my family that would want to see that happen. Mm. <laughs> or maybe Team I, Lefty. I got a face for radio anyway, so. <laughs> exactly. I knew that. That's why I haven't seen you on Facebook, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very true. But uh, wrapping up, um, just to go back, because I know you're mentioning Gary Player. So did, you got to yeah. you got to meet him, or did you get to play with him, or how did that work out? Yeah, I, I, again, one of those, I didn't ask him for a game, you know, say per se, but um, playing in the Canadian PGA up in Edmonton back in 1980. And what, uh, which was great in those days was uh, Labatt decided to bring in every um, PGA winner from around the world to play in it, uh, let alone the Canucks that qualified. So I, I qualified to play in it and, uh, and Gary Player is there, Bob Charles, uh, everybody except David Graham, because he had won the American PGA, and Dean Beeman wouldn't give him a release for the week to go play in the Canadian PGA, because those are hidden things in politics that you have to get permission to go off the American tour to play somewhere. Oh, okay. And uh, so anyway, I get my locker. This is the one where, you know, uh, Bobby played with Arnold Palmer. And so I go down to get my locker and, and, uh, I'm sharing a locker with Gary player. Well, that's all right. So, yeah. So it's in and out and type of thing and, and, uh, shake hands. And so on the Sunday, Arnold Palmer wins it at 50. He won the, the PGA that year and Gary player ran second. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so now it's, you know, pack up your bags and head to the, motel or fly home, whatever. So I, I finally sat with Gary at the end and I said, we have some mutual friends from down under and, and started naming them and, and stories. And we sat for well, a good half hour yakking. Nice to meet you, Sandy. Nice to meet you, you know, Gary. And, you know, uh, and if you ever want to come to South Africa, you come and stay with me. And I'm going, Oh God, how, you know, like, thanks, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm going next so, week. So this is August, late August. Cause yeah. And, uh, so now it's 1980. So now 81, I'm going back to Australia. So, uh, let's go 14 months later. I'm playing in Queensland in, in, uh, November, this November. And, uh, we're playing in the Queensland Classic, and uh, or the Tweed Classic, anyway. And uh, long story short, I shot 75 first day. It's going to be the lowest cut in history. Um, and uh, you know, like I'm not going to—I haven't shot under par for weeks, and I'm going to have to shoot like 66 to be safe. Mm-hmm. 
So I go to I go to dinner with Morris Bembridge. I think I told you guys this. Sixty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at Augusta, and Billy's got ninety course records. So anyway, they give me a tip. I shoot sixty six. So nice. I jump all the way up to third place on the scoreboard. I jump sixty or ninety six places. You know, and and so I got David uh, Graham Marsh, Gary Player, Sandy Crescibo, and a couple other guys. <laughs> not and, bad. Uh, not bad. But I never crossed paths with Gary whatsoever at the tournament. I didn't go looking for him either. Oh, okay. So now the next week we go to Melbourne for the Australian Open, which I'm happy because I made four days and I didn't have to uh, pre-pew against a thousand guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm going in the clubhouse. I'm going upstairs to do something, the register or whatever, and uh, Gary's coming down the stairs to the locker room. And I stop and I said, "Good day, Mister Player." Sandy, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and I go, are you kidding me? And I said, it's been 14 months. Like, how many people have you got through? Come on, kid, where's where's Dunky? I said, he's down in the locker room. Let's go. So we go down and have a chit-chat. And and, uh, and we head over to the to the driving range. And uh, Gary comes, uh, we're going across, and this lady comes out of nowhere. Gary, 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 Martha. Yeah. And we talked to Martha for 30 seconds. And I said, when was the last time you saw Martha? He said, five years ago. <laughs> I, said, is it, I said, is it true that that you and Player and Nicholas, uh, or Palmer, uh, Nicholas, you guys would write down names and people from tournaments? And he said, yeah. And then we'd hand them into, into uh, your management company. Eh? So... Uh, he said, you know, going back every year, you, as soon as you see a face, the name pops up. Mm. So it's like the memory bank. So we get over to the driving range and we're hitting balls. And, and uh, Gary's finished and Teddy Sterling's standing on the other side. And he said, you know, this guy would be a good player if he only practiced some more. Players off and, and, uh, and he gives me some ball, Sandy, and he says, tell your buddy to call a shot. And so hit it high at the gum tree, hits it high, hits it low, hits the hook, hits the fade, hits, you know, he hit everything. Wow. And then he says, can I go now? <laughs> can I go now? I'm tired. <laughs> so, like, we're, we're 30, 31 and he's 41, right? Yeah. And we get to the first tee and we're all out in the first tee and there's eight, or, eight of us that are all hanging around and yakking and Gary gets up and the first hole drivable but it's all sand molded and he hits it into the front trap um, rolls out of the trap up to three feet to the flag stick for an eagle putt right two because the part four starts and Dunky yells at him you know you still got those horseshoes up your bum <laughs> and uh, he says you gotta be lucky to be good and good to be lucky have a mm-hmm. nice day guys see you later <laughs> but uh, again there's a whole you know, time that I got to be in the circle with some of these guys that I, you know, like I just uh, idolized on TV growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that and, must have been a, and, just a treat. Yeah. And again, to sit down on the practice tee and, and just sit and talk and listen, and they talk to you. Like, it's, again, that's where you gather that information of what's right, because if this guy's won the Masters four times, he knows how to play the game. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's won 92 tournaments around the world. So, like, 
what are you gonna you're gonna sit and listen? Like I mean, like it's gonna be if you're sitting beside Gordy Howe and Bobby Hall on the on the bench. Yeah. Okay, how did you score a hundred points? Pretty easy yeah, when so, you have when you have those guys uh, beside you, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, and and to see how how their work ethic is, you know that uh, you know they're making money, but they're also winning the trophies that everybody wants to win. And you watch him eat, sleep, and play this game. Yeah, and we still are. I mean, I laugh when I see Gary play on TV, and I'm going, "Really? Did I really go out there and do all this?" Yeah, you know, or Nicholas, and and uh, or sorry, like Payne Stewart. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's another one that you know is sitting with you that no money in his pocket, and three years later he's won the PGA and the, and the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, funny, funny. I guess how that how that all works out. No, and I it was I did. We were going past the Cinnabon today, and I started to. And he says, "What type of place?" She says, "What type of track is that?" And I said, "No, it's a great track because it'll kill you if you're not paying attention." Yeah. You run out of room. You bounce it over the back. You're dead, and mm-hmm. and you can shoot eighty before you blink. And I said, hundred years ago, I shot sixty-eight and won the." The Cinnabon Open. Yeah. And I said, I thought I'd run second that time because I got Danny Holmerson playing. And Danny shot 80. Jeez, yeah. And I, it can eat you up. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's all the well, in What uh, were you drinking when you shot 80? In uh, episode one, you referred to it as the Royal Assiniboine, and I started looking further into uh, why or how something can be coined royal, and obviously the uh, the monarchy would would decide that. But <laughs> the Queen would have made her way down Air Force Way there, Sharp Boulevard, if you know when she visited Winnipeg in, in 1973. Uh, so I imagine she would have. Cast, she would, she would have cast her eyes on, yeah. on or a shadow maybe or shadow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, on the course so it, I I think there's merit there to call it the royal assembly. Everybody that flies into into Winnipeg thinks they fly over the center point. They're flying over the base. Yeah, yeah CFB. Right. Yeah, CFB. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it's it's yeah. funny though that uh, you mentioned with Cinnabon and just how tough uh, that track can be because when we had Jamie Wilkie on on episode two, it's like if anyone can shoot par or under par there. You got, you know, that's a nice feather in the cap because even though it it might look easy on the scorecard or when you're out there, it it certainly can eat you up. And I think that's a great kind of segue into our new. So you did the back nine lightning round, Sandy, the first time with us on episode one. We have a new back nine lightning round for you. And uh, it's presented by that Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park where you can improve your drive and your ride. You can go see Wilkie down at Winnipeg Dodge, purchase a new or used vehicle from the former amateur champ. And uh, not only will uh, you get to go for uh, a round of golf with Jamie Breezy Bend, you'll have some nice new wheels to go along with it. So you can check Absolutely. them out at winnipegdodge.com. They are different, and they'll be happy to see you. Yeah. And so Mike, Mike's got some questions. With, uh, with Hellebuck and uh, that's the right. coffee. And yep, that's right. That's, yep. Yeah, the new Winnipeg Dodge. That's them. That's them. <laughs> yeah. So, Sandy, see, look at that advertising works. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I you know I, I'm that that theory of shenanigans and and giggles. Yes. Uh, I, I out of all the car dealerships, I love those commercials. Oh, right on. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, there yeah. you go. We'll uh, we'll have to tell him. Well, J- well, Jamie listens religiously, so he'll he'll know. He'll know. <laughs> we'll tell Jamie we gotta we gotta do a, a mini putt or a trick shot, you know, off the top of a car. Oh, <laughs> we'll have to send yeah, that nice up. Job. We'll be there. We'll yeah, broadcast hey, live. Think, <laughs> think about think about this one, Wilkie, if you're listening. <laughs> that I put my skates on. Like Hollabuck was sitting with no gear on, other than his eyeball. <laughs> But I'll put my skates on and stand on top with something that's forty thousand dollars and and dig my toes in. Oh no! And uh, <laughs> I come come to think of it, I did a commercial for uh, for Budget Rental Car. They were <laughs> one of our sponsors at the at the Canadian Tour event. And I teed it up. I put a you know a six or six inch tee on the hood of the of the car, and I'm going to hit my six foot seven foot driver and hit the T off the, off the hood. Well, I, I made sure that the T was planted so good in, in, uh, putty that the T never flipped. It went down and smoked the dented the, the, the hood of the car like crazy. Oh no. <laughs> I, had to, I had to go and get a, I had to go and get a plunger when nobody was looking and, and try and suck the thing back up. <laughs> <laughs> that in itself would make for a good commercial or a good blue. Yeah. Or... Uh, auto body. Where's the auto body yeah. shop? Yeah. <laughs> they have a great service center at the new Winnipeg Dodge as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, down, just down the highway by Sandy Patterson's place is the Winnipeg Dodge auto body. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll have to set that up, and uh, maybe they'll let you walk all over one of their new Dodges or Chryslers yeah. or Fiats with your with your Bowers. Yeah, it, it, yeah, we'll just we'll put the skate bears on. So uh, the back nine lightning round. Now we call it a lightning okay. round, but uh, in episode one, it was forty four minutes long. So <laughs> we're gonna try and uh, speed it up a little bit, but. Okay, uh, you guys keep asking me questions. Oh, I, I I we're very good. It is, and it's great. So I, 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 I take that back. Yeah. But uh, uh, so this no, is, an, <laughs> this is on Australian edition of uh, the lightning round. Uh, I won't attempt to do an Australian yeah, that was, accent. You, well, you were just that, trying. Was I wasn't. It? I wasn't even trying, and I think it just comes out when Thank I you. say Australia. Uh, So most of these are uh, stereotypical questions uh, that one would ask an Australian. And I realize I'm asking a Canadian that spent a lot of time in Australia. So uh, this segment will have zero journalistic value. Uh, It'll be like when the Americans ask uh, the Canadians if we live in igloos. So bear with me. But uh, hopefully some of your Aussie friends will have a good chuckle at it. Right. Uh, so the first question here, uh, so you said it was in the 70s that you first traveled to Australia uh, and yeah. in, into the 80s there. So I'm just curious, uh, how many flights did it take you to get to Australia at that time? And, and how long was that travel? You know, were they, um, were they doing commercial flights across uh, the Pacific Ocean at that time? Or was it still steamship? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was 101. Uh, I'm going to get hit when I come out there. But. <laughs> the 40 below in Winnipeg, okay? This is just uh, early 
it was early December. It was like 20 below in Winnipeg. And, uh, okay, flight from Winnipeg to Vancouver, overnight in Vancouver. And now we have Vancouver, Honolulu, Fiji, New Zealand, Sydney, Australia. So that part of the leg, oh, yeah. that part of the leg was 22 hours total. Okay. Oh, boy. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, like getting into Honolulu, you were taken off the plane for two hours and put in a, a, a cattle section. There was a drink machine <laughs> and washrooms that was just like two hours. Wow. <laughs> this is the seventies. This is the seventies. And then, okay. You come into Fiji and the landing strip, was you landed and the houses were below the air, airplane and then all of a sudden you went into a dip and the houses were above the airplane <laughs> so, <laughs> what type that? of runway is it yeah <laughs> and then and then fiji or then you get off in fiji and buy your trinkets and then uh and then we get into new zealand and have an hour an hour and a half in new zealand and then and then finally into sydney at eight o'clock in the morning and uh and you know, then I had another flight from from Sydney to Tamworth, which was Margaret's hometown, and that was uh, a seven hour car ride. So that'd be like getting into Winnipeg and flying to Regina. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What part of Australia so, was that? Uh, New South Wales, okay. which was the east coast. Yeah, New South Wales, and uh, she she was uh, uh, a farm girl, and uh, her parents had a, a big cattle farm uh, okay. that they had at the time or in their history. I know where that is yeah. because I spent about an hour a day looking at a map of Australia. <laughs> okay, there you go. And then, uh, so we left Winnipeg at 20 below, and I get to sit or into Tamworth. It was 40 Celsius when it arrived. Nice. <laughs> so we've gone from, what's that? That's uh, 60, 60 degrees. You know, 60, That's 80 degrees. And then that whole Christmas that I sat there and practiced, I got up at six in the morning, went and practiced from basically seven till about nine. And then it started to heat up and I go to the pool for the rest of the day. And then I go back and play nine holes at six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night. I go play nine holes. Nice. It was 40 to 50 Celsius per day going to Christmas. (laughs) What time were you milking the cows at? Oh man, yeah. Uh, luckily, they weren't on the farm; <laughs> they moved into the city. Yeah. Well, I, I looked at some of the current prices to fly to Australia right now, and obviously, uh, it's a bit different because we're in COVID times. <laughs> yeah. So, supply and demand—the uh, uh, demand is very the, the low. The economics is yeah. a little bit skew right Skewed, now, <laughs> right? So, yeah, there was one for twenty-two hundred dollars, three stops, and it takes three and a half days to get there. <laughs> <laughs> or you could up uh you pay a little bit more forty seven hundred dollars and uh three stops but one and a half days oh, okay so yeah it's pretty little better. pretty well similar to those uh those layovers <laughs> basically vancouver uh hawaii yeah. and then uh yeah into australia there but uh well that's uh, interesting yeah jackson and i had we had a flight coming home that Jordan that year that we came home to uh, uh, 203. Um, we flew Sydney to LA uh, nonstop. Yeah. Oh, um, that's okay then. How long was that? <laughs> yeah, 
that was uh, 14 hours. Okay, so that's okay. So, I could tolerate yeah, that. So yeah. Really, there's flights that now, nowadays you say between 72 and 2022, uh, they've cut 10 hours out of that old uh, milk run that I used to be on. <laughs> With the, yeah. uh, those were the uh, airships, the hydrogen airships. Yeah, oh, the, the 747. I mean, I, you know, in, I love my suitcase and I love travel, so I never had a problem about traveling. Uh, it was fun to sit in airports with uh, 55, 80 guys that are going to the same spot. And, uh, you know, you get on the on the planes and just crash and burn and, 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 uh, and enjoy the ride. That's Otherwise, right. you know, you'll, you'll be quitting the tour real quick because yeah. your office is somewhere else in the world is not at home. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you must have traveled all over Australia. So my next question here yeah. is if, if me and JR are bringing the show to Australia <laughs> and we'll bring the family too, but what is the absolute must see place or experience we need to include in our trip? Well, here's what I did. Uh, on one of my trips, I took 45 people for three weeks. Oh, and that's so, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was a hostess with the hostess, and he played all, you know. So we uh, we flew out of Vancouver into Sydney. Um, I took you for a harbor cruise as soon as we arrived. So you went and saw the hangar and the opera house and all that stuff, and then uh, had cocktails on, on the uh, boat. And then uh, uh, cocktails and dinner at 8 o'clock. And then the next morning I had you downtown and more park golf course that I worked at for three, four years. Um, uh, good, good central 18 hole tough golf course to play up and down. And you're playing with a view of Sydney, uh, of downtown Sydney. Wow. And then, uh, the next day I took you out to New South Wales to play, which was, uh, like playing Pebble beach right on the ocean. <laughs> Uh, and then the next day was a day off, so you could go downtown Sydney, go shopping or whatever, old Sydney town. Then I put you on a bus and I took you up to the Hunter Valley and we went wine tasting at Turles, which is on the marketplace here. Uh, and I knew the owners of Turles. Uh, so you had a inside trip through the winery instead of just, uh, buying a bottle. Right. Yeah. Mm. And then I took you up to Nelson Bay where I worked. Uh, for a couple of years and played uh, out of their golf club and, and uh, pig roast with all the members. Uh, then I flew you back up to the Gold Coast and we played on the Gold Coast for four rounds and sightseeing in the ocean. And then I took you up to the Barrier Reef and uh, we stayed at a brand new hotel there and played, uh, well, there was nobody there, so we got to play ten sums if we wanted. Uh, oh, great. And <laughs> yeah. Then, what a zoo. Then, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was great. It was, uh, well, it sounds like a, a great Sounds like a great tour you put together. I was looking on the uh, the online atlas there, and uh, north of Brisbane, there's a great sandy national park, and I was w- curious if that was named after you. <laughs> yeah, anything sandy over there is yeah, mine. I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> the great sandy desert. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all sandy. It's all sandy. It has, it has, and the sandy desert has the biggest camel uh, herd in the world. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I played up at Alice Springs. If you remember seeing Alice Springs on the uh, where Ayers Rock is. Mm-hmm. Mike probably didn't okay. get that in depth with no, the map. I didn't. Didn't. No, I didn't <laughs> yeah. zoom in that much. But I did see the camel. Yeah, I did yeah. see the camel. Yeah. Those thirsty beasts. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to my next question. So, what it, you know? I think Australia is known to to have some some uh, exotic animals, and I'm curious, uh, or plants, exotic plants as well. Have you, uh, what is the most abstract exotic food you've eaten in Australia? Uh, camel. Camel, okay. <laughs> so those same, same uh, kangaroos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, going back to going to Alice Springs, we went and we had a senior tour event up there, and and I did, I did my show as well. And uh, so the second night of being up there was everything was from the bush was the dinner. Right? Anything oh, that geez. there was snake, there was there was uh, crocodile, there was camel, there was uh, fish, there was bear Monday, uh, yeah, uh, lizard. There's lizard. Like there was no. And <laughs> I just yeah. said this to Annie the other night. I said, and the the Alice Springs people that were looking after us so going. Sandy, it's okay. It tastes like chicken. Sandy, it's okay. Yeah. It tastes like chicken. Well, it's you not, know, like, it's not bad any... eating some of these things if it actually tastes good, right? But did it taste yeah. good or was it just weird? Well, the camel, the camel was, uh, the camel was good. Um, <laughs> the crocodile was, the crocodile was, uh, <laughs> yeah. I had it, but I'm not ever going back. You won't, you won't find it on the menu at Seagulls up at Hecla. No, no. no. You didn't eat any wombats, did you? Because I, I, I kind no. of uh, wombat is kind of my spirit animal. So, well, that's yeah, that's the wombat soup. Jeez, oh, <laughs> not the soup. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, it's like going to China. You know, you, you just have no idea what they're going to serve. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well. My next yeah, question here, uh, and this is kind of one of those stereotypical ones I talked about, but I was curious, have you ever thrown a, a real boomerang? Yeah, and it never came back either. That's right. <laughs> yeah. JR, have you ever thrown a boomerang? No. I oh, I have. Boomerangs used to be big. And uh, it was yeah, just, I couldn't get the hang of it. It would never come back. Or maybe it was a Frisbee. No, I don't know. Like it, it did a button hook, and that was it, right? It yeah. Just, it, 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 the original stand there and throw it, and it'll come right back to his hand. And then yeah. so, we, we had the ones that... Yeah. Some of my drives are like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking of golf, uh, can you golf all year round in Australia, or, or do like the courses close in summer because it gets too hot, or is that a stupid question? <laughs> no, no, it's a good question. It's actually, um, it, you can play all year round unless there's a course that's sort of in the mountain track somewhere, but. Uh, it might close down because they get some snow belt in it. But basically, 95% of the golf courses are all playable year-round. Hmm, nice. Um, okay. The Aussies at one time were like the Yanks, you know, come 110 degrees in the summer, didn't play. Right. Because you know, like they do close courses. They close courses in the U.S. and the South, right? At yeah, some, if it gets some too hot. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 yeah. Not in, nobody. not in North Carolina, apparently. <laughs> no. <as> we <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Gets real but you, go, you go to Arizona, like Arizona where I had the house for a while. Um, that course offers you for $20 uh, 
they gave you a cart, green fees, a sleeve of balls, and, uh, and breakfast if oh. you played before 10 o'clock or after 10 o'clock. Ooh, I'd, do, I'd good, do that. Great deal. I right? like playing so when it's yeah, I do, I do yeah. not. I'll I'll play in this. Under. I'll play in this five degree weather all day, Sandy. Yeah. Well, uh, if you watch the tennis, if you watch the tennis for the the Aussie Open, and before they built the indoors uh, stadium, um, they were playing courtside at fifty Celsius, right? In right, the tennis yeah. for four hours. Yeah, mm, nuts. And then in Melbourne, I played. In Melbourne and Brisbane, I played in in Adelaide. I played in 50, 50 Celsius weather, so it's one hundred and ten degrees at noon, wow. and guys are dropping. You know, and I think I told you about the Payne Stewart episode that he didn't sign his scorecard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So again, that was a that was a fifty fifty Celsius day. Wow. Um, and you're wearing long pants. You're not wearing shorts, and and you're grinding it out to to make a score. Right. Well, if it's yeah, and then, and then the opposite is some winter because the the north the the, the seas blow in the cold weather just like it is today, and and uh, you know just playing Coldona Park, it's like your fingers are numb and and the ball's not going anywhere, and it's winter golf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So today would have been a winter game of. Out there. Okay. Well, that's good. At least you can play all year round. But in those hot, yeah, those hot days, you must get thirsty. So my my next question, and uh, you know, most of my uh, knowledge about Australia comes from uh, uh, the Simpsons, the one episode, and <laughs> and uh, it, you would assume that Australians' fav- most favorite beer would be Foster's, but uh, a quick. Right. Quick search shows that Foster's isn't that popular in Australia. So I was, I was curious, what is your favorite Australian beer, Sandy? Uh, I actually this, scoured. This sorry, sorry. I scoured the city yeah. today looking for a Foster's, <laughs> uh, to, but they used to sell it at the the A there, the big A. Yeah. Uh, but um, no longer have it. So if anyone knows where to get Foster's, let me know. But uh, Sandy, what is your most favorite? Australian beer. Uh, I was in living in New South Wales. Then uh, I was drinking a lot of Tuies. Okay. Right. Uh, then up in up in Queensland, four X is the biggest seller there. <laughs> Better and than the three X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a girl show. <laughs> uh, oh, it's a family show, Sandy. Don't take it there. <laughs> then, uh, uh, um, and then if you go over to Melbourne, then you're you're drinking BB Victorian Bitter. Okay. So those are those are your three biggest. And then Foster's was uh, sent out into the world, right? Because of uh, of uh, Hogan with uh, Paul Hogan. And his uh, Foster's commercials and selling Foster's around the world. Is Paul and that's related why, to Ben? Uh, no. <laughs> ben Hogan, yeah. yeah. It was it's a stretch. A it was a, yeah, you, you yeah. got to try. It was Foster, a stretch. Yeah. Okay. Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I actually watched I watched that movie uh, not that long ago. Is it is it's in my top twenty for sure. Uh, we won't get into yeah. that today. Um, so uh, this for one as a 
segue to that. He was our mascot for our hockey team was Paul Hogan. <laughs> oh, oh well, that's okay then. Down good in, good yeah. mascot. <laughs> um, yeah, hmm. So uh, last yeah. time, Sandy, I asked what your favorite condiment was, and the answer was mustard. And uh, I think everyone would agree that mustard is the king of condiments, <laughs> or at least me and you would think that. So uh, I'm going to ask you, keep in mind I'm teeing you up for some, but what is your favorite Australian condiment? Um. It wasn't ketchup, I'll tell you. No? Um, <laughs> no, hell no. They, the tomato sauce there ran out of the bottle. Like, it, it glugged out of the bottle. Oh, or our ketchup, you got to smack it with a spoon and right. hammer it to get out. Yeah, a little um, bit of molasses in there. But, Down under, maybe not yeah. so much. Yeah, but I got to be, uh, you know, there was the mustard was still around, but they have a barbecue sauce that was really good. Oh, mm. That us. Um, so, yeah. and then hot dogs were brutal. Uh, <laughs> so I gave up on the hot dog and I went to the sausage sandwich. Okay. Mm, all right. And, and the meat pie was, is delicious, right? Oh, um, I'll have to check so those out. The, the, beef, the beef meat pie, not a chicken. Not the wombat pie. meat pie. <laughs> the camel meat pie. The camel dogs are pretty good, though. Yeah, the camel dogs. Well, I that's, was... where they, that's where they hit all the kangaroo was in the meat pie. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's, that... McDonald's had to shut down one year because the, the story on the street was they were serving kangaroo. Oh, and, what? No. And nobody started. Yeah, nobody stopped. We just uh, we just lost PETA as one of our main sponsors of the show. But, uh, Maybe what, next year. What I was trying to lead you into here, Sandy, was Vegemite. Uh, so yeah, I figured that. Wikipedia describes Vegemite as leftover brewer's yeast extract, various vegetable and spice additives. Uh, have you ever tried this? Are you a fan of Vegemite? And that's the closest you want to get to it. Is yeah. this what you read? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, uh, yeah, being down under and anybody, do you want a Vegemite sandwich? No. Do you want Vegemite on your crackers? No. Do you want any? No. Like, I, I, yeah. you know, God. There's a. To us, to us, it's like, oh, like somebody eats it. <laughs> uh, but again, when it's fed to a baby, uh, they grow up with it, right. and right. and you know uh, our peanut butter. It's Vegemite is is our oh, peanut butter. Okay. Yeah, well, I I, tolerate that. And yeah. I and I and peanut I made I made that connection myself. But the 2014 study said that at least 15 50 percent of Australians eat Vegemite once a day. That seems pretty high. I mean, I'm not eating peanut butter. Once, I am once yeah. a day. Once a day, I'm eating peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. every morning oh, I have man. a teaspoon or like, a tablespoon. So yeah. a tablespoon every morning. Hmm. All natural peanut butter? To, Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got You'll have to ask Jacqueline. Um, uh, she, she liked peanut butter growing up, right? Yes. Because Margaret fed it to her when she was a baby. And then she said, you know, Mom, can you give me a Vegemite sandwich to mm. take to school? Yeah. Well, then, you know, Jacqueline, what are you eating? And Jacqueline's going, oh, I can't tell you. I can't, like, you taste it. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah. You won't, you won't ever talk to me again. <laughs> well, I got a full encyclopedia of questions to ask her about Australia. Yes. but And uh, uh, both uh, herself and yeah. Andrew, uh, Jacqueline Steep and Andrew Steep will be coming up on a future episode of the pod. So Ooh. stay tuned for that. Oh, mm-hmm. awesome. Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, the, my last question here that has nothing to do with Australia, Sandy, is uh, have you ever shot your age? Yes, I have. Ooh. Um, I shot 68 when I was 68, and I shot 69 when I was 69, and I shot 70 uh, as of last year. Were you playing Crescent Drive? <laughs> uh, yes, I was. I was on the mini putt course. <laughs> <laughs> on the mini putt. Okay. Well, that still counts. Yeah. I, I, quit at, I quit at the 14th hole after I had my 70th shot. <laughs> That's smart man. That's what I do. Yeah. That's what I do when yeah. I hit 26 because I'm 26 years old. With my new, with my new Callaway clubs from uh, TK, I'm, I'm going to see if I can shoot 71 this summer. Oh, that would be phenomenal! Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah, that yeah. would be that'd be pretty. I remember there was a guy at a Cinnaboyne, uh Wild Bill Brown. I think we called him Bill Brown or something like that. Oh. And he shot his age when he was in his 80s. That's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty that's phenomenal. Pretty Bill Brown, like yeah, yeah was a member Bill? or Billy Bill Brown the golf pro? No, uh, like Bill Brown the member. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure Bill, Bill Brown, Brown the golf pro, probably did that too then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that yeah. Uh, wraps up my Australian version of the back nine lightning round. Yeah, and it's presented by hey, Jamie Wilkie yeah. and uh, the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park where you can improve your ride and your drive. Just check out Jamie Wilkie, give him a call, check him out on Google, and then go to winnipegdodge.com and book yourself a, a test drive with Jamie Wilkie at the yeah. new Winnipeg Dodge. I wonder what side of the road they drive on in Australia. The left side. The left the side. The left side. Okay. Have you ever have you ever driven on the left side of the road, Jr.? Uh, no, but I've when I was in no. Do I, no. we drive on the left side of the road here? Don't we? No, I think yeah. we drive on the right. Do we drive on the right? Yeah. I don't. We drive on the left. Yeah, we're. I'll tell you what. I we're on the left hand side of the vehicle, right. but we drive on the right hand side. Yeah. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I would. Yeah. Okay, now reverse reverse the steering wheel over to the other side. Right, put the steering wheel on the right mm-hmm. in the right chair. Yeah, and and then Australia has more roundabouts than you can shake a stick at. Yeah, mm. starting and to look like River Heights in Winnipeg. They're four and six six cars wide in the roundabouts going through the city. Yeah. And you got to make sure you're in the right lane entering those roundabouts, or else you can, you'll you'll end up going the wrong way. Exactly, or you're going to go around twice to get out of the yeah. circle. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like a spoke. Oh, it's, it's just not four lanes, like four exits. It's it's six exits, yeah. um, <laughs> and you got to work your blinkers and be aggressive and right. Yeah, it could remember, be. Uh, could be a metaphor for golf. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can, you can always tell when a four when the foreigner's going into a circle because he's coming the wrong way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a few of those encounters uh, myself, but... Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, they put them in East Coldon in here and then people don't have no idea why why they're even there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're popping up everywhere now. The, the traffic calming circles, uh, I, I yeah. believe they call them, but... Down. I think they work. They're yeah. good. I like them. All right. My yeah. dad was against them. Okay. They work great. Right. question for you guys. Where is the furthest place you've traveled to from Winnipeg? 
the furthest place? Like, um, yeah, you went, like, JR, like, went to Mar- JR went to Morocco, like, didn't by plane? You? Like, we're going by plane? Yeah. Yeah, yeah been, wherever you got in. Uh, yeah, it would be, yeah, because I, I haven't been to Asia yet, but I've been to Morocco. I've also been to, I guess, Germany. Germany was pretty far, uh, far yeah. away. Mm-hmm. But never been down under. I've never been to Asia. Um, never been to South America. But uh, maybe maybe when COVID lets up in you know ten years, uh, we get the chance to to check maybe. out the rest of the world. Maybe, yeah. For yeah. My, for myself, yeah. Sandy, I, I did a trip to Scotland. There, it was, it was only in Scotland, and right. uh, I never mentioned it on the podcast. But I played <laughs> St Andrews. Uh, that's the only reason I'm well, on the podcast. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, Scotland was amazing in itself. Uh, castles and beautiful yeah. scenery, and and driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Like we're. Is that well? I think that's it. That's it. Yeah, we appreciate uh, you uh, you joining us uh, again. We're going to see you. Hopefully, if uh, all the COVID restrictions hopefully ease up, we're supposed to be uh, up there at the end of the month. We'll, uh, of course, be still be in contact for you. We want to say a great thank you yeah. again to the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can find them now on Instagram under one handle, at DQ Manitoba, as well. As always, big thanks to Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. Check them out at winnipegdodge.com. Sandy. This was great. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll probably Thank get you. you back on again yeah. at some point too, because part we know three. You, yeah, part three to wrap up the trilogy yeah. with Sandy Kursiba. <laughs> thanks so much. And thanks for the ice cream. Thanks for the ice cream. That made great milkshakes. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll have to try that. Yeah, that's a hmm, nice pointer. Okay. Well, thanks so much, yeah. Sandy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. So long. Bye, pal. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12-12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile because tomorrow you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea Line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is 
You can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. <laughs> 